Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Hormonal Mama podcast. I am your host, Cara B. And today on the show, I have Naomi Stonier. She is a relationship coach. And what's really incredible is she herself went through infertility. So she is talking today about her experience with that and how she uses it in her relationship coaching. So you will want to stick around and listen to this one. Hi, Naomi. Welcome to the show. I am psyched that you are here. So welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is such a pleasure. We have a lot of really exciting things to talk about today. And I'm excited to jump in and talk because I know, obviously, we were just talking. I know this conversation is going to be exciting. We're going to talk about so many great things. So let's dive in. I would really like to talk about there are two main things I really want to talk with you about today. And that is your coaching business and how your coaching business started. Now you're a relationship coach, which is something so incredible and something that I feel like so many people need. Yet a lot of people don't even know exists. So let's start with that. Tell me a bit about your coaching, what you do as a relationship coach, and then tell me how it all started. I'd love to hear this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a relationship coach and my passion is helping people to create great relationships with all the important people in your life. So it's not just about the intimate relationship. And I really have to spell that out because people always think we we talk relationships, they think just the intimate, but actually it's about all our relationships. Because when you have strong relationships, in, with all the important people in your life, it really acts as a foundation. And from here, you know, it gives us a lot of confidence to reach for our dreams. And of course, when I talk about this, people say, well, you know, it's not, you know, it's not possible to have great relationships with everyone. You know, what about those really tricky people in our lives? Because we all have those tricky people mm-hmm. in our lives. And what I teach people to do is make major shifts in any relationship without the other person doing anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, because that's my experience, okay? So when we believe a relationship can't change because of the other person, it's very disempowering. And when we just believe we're stuck, we have to settle or or leave the relationship, end it, it's very disempowering and it sneaks into every other area in your life. Mm -hmm. Show up in your work, in your friendships, in your parenting. Mm -hmm. So this is the path I walked myself. And so, you know, I had a dysfunctional family life. And when we don't resolve uh these experiences with our family of origin we take them forward Mm -hmm. so I left school at 15 with no qualifications you know I was friends with all the wrong people I couldn't hold down a job and I did make some positive changes age 25 I got myself back into school and I got a degree And I met the person who, thanks to relationship coaching, is still my partner today. Amazing. But another life event was coming my way, and that was infertility. Mm, I can relate to that one. Let's talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah. Well, so for me, my life blueprint, okay, that's what I call it, but we all have one. We all have this life blueprint and our level of happiness is, is determined by how close our actual life is to that blueprint. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so my blueprint was a big family. Okay. And so for me, a big family meant I'll get lots of love. I'd always be needed. And I, you know, it was a way not to repeat my experience. And so I was lucky enough, we were lucky enough to have a daughter by IVF. You know, first time it worked for us IVF. Wow. But you know, that blueprint was a big family. So bang, straight on to the next one. And it never worked again for me. I tried nine times. Nine times. Oh my goodness. And so I had ectopic pregnancies. I had operations. I tried donor eggs. And I, I went down a highly medicalized route. And, you know, I was, young, I was relatively young. I was still in my, I was like 36, 37, trying to have a second child. And it just never worked again. So I had t- different types of infertility. The first type of infertility was tubal. We managed to have our, we managed to have our daughter. Mm-hmm. But I just fell down the rabbit hole of trying again and again, you know, and getting very sick in the process, you know, physically, emotionally you know financially oh yeah it really nearly broke us and so but as we talked about before we started recording it, it became my gift because not getting that big family forced me to take a look at how I was meeting my needs how I was showing up in my relationships and I discovered relationship coaching how amazing is that yeah and so I think it is so amazing to go through all that you went through and and I can understand infertility gosh I had nine IUIs I had a failed IVF I had medicated cycles that failed it was like one hit after the next and it's very difficult to pick yourself back up yet at the same time you get trapped in this cycle of trying again and trying again and trying again and trying again and you can't stop it it's almost like an addiction I kind of well, see it it's like the that. way of coping isn't it the way you cope is to start planning the next cycle yes exactly and so we go to doing instead of sitting in the experience we go to planning the next one right and as long as we're planning it we've got hope right. and it's this is a big money making industry a lot of money's been made and so you know we're we're dealing with very small percentages very small chances and in my case it was unexplained infertility you know I'd had a child Mm -hmm. yeah and this is the and I think for so many it is unexplained Mm -hmm. isn't it because there's so much we don't know about conception yes you know it's something I don't know why this just popped into my head it's something that just popped into my head when you were saying that, you know, you had a child and then everything you tried after that wouldn't work. And there's something that stuck in my mind for so many years since before I was pregnant, when I was really struggling and, and I could not deal 
with my emotions on my own. I was so overwhelmed. I was depressed. I was having trouble functioning every day. And I started seeing um, a therapist to help me get through it. And I was, I said, you know, I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility. And she said something to me that I still think about every single day. And it was the, for lack of a better word, comparison of unexplained infertility and secondary infertility and how they are so much more similar than you think. And it, I think about it all the time because I can't imagine what it must feel like to have your child and then nothing works after that. No matter how hard you try, everything you try, how come I was able to have this child and it was great. And then all of a sudden I can't. And, you know, it's interesting because you said that you had your, your daughter through IVF. Yeah. Right. So you had first you had you said it was tubal related, right? Or is tubal yeah. related. Yeah. Right. So it's it's an interesting experience that you have to have these two different types of infertility affect yeah. you. Yeah. And that's that's hard. But yeah. I, you know, my point with all of this is how you're you're in this really unique position because you know what it's like on both sides. Yeah. and but but then also you you know I've had a child so I I have to be really careful how I talk about it because I do have a child right and I'm you know and I've been able to completely change the meaning of my experience that oh my god I had this miracle it turned out to be a miracle child Mm -hmm. at the time it was like oh I need to have more right I've had one why can't I have more that was the meaning I was giving and life is about the meaning we get we give because the life experiences are going to come at you one way or another we are all going to get hit aren't we so for me it was infertility so the meaning I was giving was I've had one why can't I have more Mm -hmm. yep being able to go on the journey to switch that to oh my god I had this child thank god I'm a mum you know I've had that experience and it not and being in that reaction of not being able to slow down and assess and think and just being in reaction of going to the next cycle the next cycle uh, is just the worst place to be yes (laughs) I mean, yeah. I, yes, I guess all I can even say, because it is, it's hard. It's so, oh, I can't even think of the words. My, my brain's just like, blah, 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 blah. simply. We have because, a doctor telling you, oh yeah, you can try again. Right. It, exactly. And, you know, and, and it's really tough when you have that in your ear. Okay. Well, I'll just keep trying. Yeah. And I, you know, I know for me, you know, after my 13th fertility treatment cycle, I was like, all right, well, I think it's in my best interest to start preparing Mm. for moving on. And I did not want to do that. And the thought of it was gut wrenching, but that's actually, I believe wholeheartedly that changing that mindset, if you will, and shifting to, okay, I'm going to move on is why I got pregnant because it was only a few weeks later. Interesting. I know it's crazy. And then, you know, the, the other thought I have here is just, there was a time I want to say this was after our failed IVF and we were going to go do another IUI because we couldn't afford another IVF cycle at that point. And we, my husband convinced me we need to take a break and we hadn't yet taken a break. We took one um, break that was not by choice. And that was because I had a cyst on my ovary and from 
you know, I guess the, whatever it was the previous cycle. And they were like, well, we can't do an IUI or anything. That one was out of my control, but this particular time we took a trip. We went to San Francisco to visit my brother and sister-in-law or my brother-in-law and sister-in-law. And it was all because my husband said to me, we need to do this. We need to take a break for our sanity. And it's just so incredibly hard to get to that point because it's a cycle. It's like, okay, we're just going to keep going. Oh, anyway. See, I told and, you. You know, for oh, me, I, 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 well, but it's just, it's so, you know, it's so part of the conversation, isn't it? No one could have told me to take a break. Mm-hmm. I would not have listened to anyone. Yep. And that keeping going is avoiding the emotion. And when I was able to actually just be in the emotion of it not working, because all we re- we're resisting the pain of the emotions, mm-hmm. we're trying to avoid them. And when you learn to just be in your emotion and experience it, it you you that you're then able to process it and move through it, and then make decisions but when you're making decisions based on trying to avoid an emotion or feel a different emotion Mm -hmm. you make terrible decisions (laughs) so true you're so I mean that's such an accurate statement and you don't think about it when you're in that moment because really you think you're making the best decisions yeah yeah you don't really what you're you're doing doing is avoiding everything and then just that, you know, so your husband being able to be, and you see, I would say this is masculine and feminine energy. This is the way I work. You know, masculine energy is able, and this is why there is so many problems in relationships with infertility, because feminine energy, energy feels and sees everything mm-hmm. and is absorbing it all. So that's why it's so difficult for the woman. Of course, she is also going through it. Masculine energy takes the big things and makes them small and is able to just shut off and shut stuff out and let go, like go to sport, go to their phones and just shut off. And we feel such incredible frustration that they do this and we say they're shutting off and we also you know when I talk about masculine and feminine energy there's cultural conditioning there Mm -hmm. and people get a little bit funny about it (laughs) but so that's a whole other conversation right (laughs) you know this is your you know this is masculine energy showing up with your husband saying we need to stop yeah feminine energy is like go 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 no 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 you know and it's another thing you don't really think about especially in the moment I can't tell you how many times he would say like maybe we should take a break and I'd be like no we are not taking a break what are you thinking I mean I really fought him on it but wow what an amazing insight you know that those energies really do come out and and help us make good or bad decisions depending of course well they're both superpowers they're both really important but obviously when they get too strong the feminine energy will whiz out of control masculine energy will like will go to anger to shut Mm -hmm. to shut down or or they'll go to retreating away and this is why we have so much so many problems in the infertility journey because of that because for the female she's going through it she's seeing feeling you know she's filling up with it and then boom she can explode with it and masculine energy just doesn't know what the hell to do right we make it mean there's something wrong with our relationships wow you know 
I love that you're saying all this because I know I, I had a conversation not that long ago um, with a fellow infertility warrior and we had a whole conversation about relationships and what infertil- infertility, that's not a word, infertility, there we go, um, and, and what it does to so many relationships and it just, it has an impact that I just don't think people realize people who, well, actually I was going to say people who haven't dealt with it, but even people who are dealing with it or who have, they don't realize the impact that infertility has for so many reasons. It's not as simple as we're struggling to get pregnant and we're fighting a lot. Well, it's way deeper than that. And unless you're going through it, it's hard to understand that. And I think people like you who have this firsthand experience have this training and really understand the dynamic of a relationship. You know, I know, I know we talked before about how it's not just those intimate relationships, it's all of the relationships. And, and that's a huge part, you know, something that I'm thinking about here as we're talking is, you know, when, when I went through my own journey, my closest friends, none of them dealt with infertility and they were all incredible incredible and supportive and loving and kind, you know, my, my closest friends, my mother, my sister, you know, people who I needed the support from, they, I was lucky. They gave me the support, but they didn't understand. They had trouble. And I get it now looking back, they, they couldn't understand what I was going through. They didn't go through it themselves. Yeah. And it's just such an interesting thing to think back about how I see so often, not just the partnership, yes. you know, getting, you know, it's sort of like we're tackled, old, if you will, yeah. all of it. I, you know, I, I all long- friends, people getting so upset. And so it's so, I just love that you brought that up and I, it, I've sort of but interrupted you, but I know that's at- okay. Yeah, absolutely respond to that because it was absolutely my experience. I was so, so, so hurt and upset by other people's reactions. And of course, because people who haven't been through infertility don't understand, but I was at the whim of other people's reactions. And that's because, and this is what I now coach so much on because it was my experience, the understanding that other people can't create your emotions. Uh So I would have experienced such huge emotional reactions to other people's responses to me. Uh And it was just exhausting. And you give away all your power when you do that and so it I and so as a result I didn't talk about it no one would know I would no one would know uh, what I was going through and that was also hugely because I would be going through a cycle and I would be all over the place and people wouldn't know why and I would look I imagine pretty crazy Mm -hmm. And I would spin in resentment that they don't understand what I'm going through. And, you know, this is how we create our experiences and going on the journey to understand other people cannot create my emotions was one of the most empowering things I learned to do. Because when 
you take responsibility for your own experience, you gain the ability to choose how you want to think and feel and act regardless of what someone else is doing. That's powerful. Yeah, and this showed up, you see, in my relationships with my family of origin. Mm -hmm. And so when I took control of those experiences I was having in those relationships, and I stopped believing that this person was creating all this emotion for me. I was able to put in my boundaries. I was able to control how I interacted with this person. I was able to show up with compassion for this person. And you drop the expectations of how they should behave and just accept them for who they were. And it's just the most empowering experience you can have and you then are able to protect yourself and so those people who just don't understand them in secondary infertility one of the most painful things someone can say to you is oh well you've already got one because it completely dismisses your whole experience and and being able to just take back my power and just say well it you know it wasn't a choice or to just understand with compassion they have no idea and they don't understand and they're just trying to say something helpful means you don't drain all that time and energy because it's such a huge energy drain allowing that person to boom create all this for you you know I am so happy that you just said that because I you know for two reasons number one when I first started my infertility journey, I was one of those people. I would never have said it to anyone because Mm. I'm not a jerk, (laughs) but I would frequently think like I had a friend who dealt with secondary infertility. She had a beautiful son and he's amazing, but she was dealing with secondary infertility and recurring miscarriages. And I didn't understand because I hadn't gone through it. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't, at that point, understand she already has a child. Why is she so upset? And it's crazy to me after having gone through years of this nonsense and looking back, I think, how could I have even ever thought that? Mm. And it's, you know, that's, that's, that's number one, because I think it's incredible the things that we think that we look back on later and think or say, and wonder, how could I even have, I mean, how I like now, after going through it all, spending years in infertility, hearing so many different stories, by the time I finally got pregnant, I had nothing but sympathy for any woman who dealt with any, any type of infertility, regardless, primary, secondary, unexplained, PCOS, endometriosis, whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever it was. The other part of that, that I want to comment on is my own experience for a second, because I had an interesting experience Oh, it was very early on again in my journey. We had only been trying for about a year, almost a year. And I was over 35 at the time. So it had already been like time to see a specialist. And it it kind of, the story is really about the insensitivity of other people and my inability to separate what they're saying. Like, like you were talking about, you know, not giving. Yeah 
what they're saying, the power, because you, I wrote it down. I'm taking a lot of notes here while we're talking. (laughs) And I know if you saw me taking notes, you probably did. You said other people can't create your emotions. And that really like stuck in my brain because I had this experience. It's a long story, so I'll abbreviate, but I had this experience early on in a group of other professionals. And at the time I was specializing in prenatal massage before I ever started going through infertility. And I was in this group of other pregnancy wellness professionals. And it was like a networking meeting type of thing. It's more involved than that, but that's irrelevant. And we were all having little conversations here and there. I was the only woman in this group of like, I guess there were about 20 of us. I was the only woman who didn't have children. And I never really thought of that as being a big deal, except that night, every time someone would come over and say, oh, do you have any kids? And I'd be like, no, they would feel awkward. And I could see it. They didn't know what to do or how to talk to me. I'm like, I'm still a person. I'm still a woman. What? But it got even weirder. Anytime I would mention my struggle to conceive and every response was something along the lines of, oh, well, I conceived really easily or, oh, I had my first kid when I wasn't even trying to get pregnant or something ridiculous and so many things. And to make an even longer story short, the next morning I had a freak accident, fell down the stairs and destroyed my shoulder and lost a year of work. And that's important because again, that's a story for another day, but I spent months blaming my accident because after that, I had to leave that uh, networking event early. After all these different comments, I was hysterical. I couldn't breathe. It was the lowest I've ever been in my life, I think, that night. And when I woke, I cried myself to sleep, woke up in the morning, I could hardly see. And for months, and I say months, it's probably way more than months, at least six months, I blamed my fall on the women at the party because of the things that they were saying, rather than saying, okay, they can't relate that's not my problem. My problem is what I'm dealing with. And so I think it's really important. I mean, I'm like, keep just going back to what you said. Other people can't create your emotions. I mean, to understand the consequences of the time and energy drain, you know, you, you fully understand you're taking in the time and the energy drain. When we feel uncertain, we go to anger to get certainty. So the fear and the uncertainty you felt in those encounters, we go to anger to resentment, bitterness, blame to get that certainty back. And the pain you were in with your shoulder, you know, you're burning with that anger. It's to get the certainty and taking in the time and the energy drain of that. is enormous and for me it was so profound you know I was I lived in exhaustion nervous exhaustion because I was just giving away my power in every situation and I was on the emotional roller coaster having no exactly those kind of experiences you know and when someone makes this comment it is like a dagger to the heart yes it is boom it's a body blow and what I do is I help people to understand that body blow won't go away. You know, we are human. <laughs> Life is, we live in 50-50. The human nervous system shifts through the lower emotion, the lower vibration emotions to the higher vibration emotions 
it's 50 50 your body will just shift through these emotions through the course of a day it's about whether that body blow lasts five minutes or five months right yeah. can you still remember a moment five years later and boom feel the body blow again you know do you want to have that reverberated through your body and it's about having the tools and techniques to when that comment gets made go oh okay I flooded with the emotion you know the feelings flooded through my body the, my focus has gone to the belief and my language is who do they think they are they don't you know there's a pattern that we run that we can nip in the buds and that we can just go oh okay that pattern's been triggered <sighs> breathe through it drop back into my body uh distract my brain and we can just get back into perspective and wisdom and empathy and compassion they don't understand it is not personal and we can move to that all of that language and that belief and to to shift our body out of that pattern love it i love it i mean that is one of the most important aspects of this whole thing and i don't think don't think i think most of us who have gone through or are going through this don't even realize that and that's so important yeah i mean you know you think about the the time and the energy drain if you are able to nip that pattern in the bud you know when that trigger happens because we all know the dangerous places when we're in infertility the you know for me it was the it was first of all just going through infertility but then this stuff is unexpected the next round of kids everyone started having their second kid Mm -hmm. and it was just devastating you know my uh I have a friend who's uh you know, in her 70s, she was experiencing the rebirth, re, rebirth, reverb of infertility. <laughs> yeah. When everyone started having their grandkids. Mm. Yeah, so, you know, this stuff reverberates through our lives. And do you want to keep that? You know, when you're going through the infertility journey, you need to keep that time and energy for what's important. We do not want to be draining it to these moments we want to keep that time and energy to ourselves we we need to be fit you know that was one of the I'm obviously I've got no medical proof for this but I just can't help feeling that one of the reasons that I didn't conceive again was because I was just exhausted oh yeah emotionally physically and I was just in in on the emotional roller coaster just spinning because this stuff shows up everywhere. And so for me, it took infertility to step off the roller coaster. That was the life lesson that I, that, and so now, obviously with the blessing of one child, I would take what I know now, now over another child any day. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just so grateful. I'm a great parent to one kid mm-hmm. and I have emotional freedom yes which is just transformational I would take that for five kids any day oh you know uh, I just love what you're saying because I can relate before having my kids I wanted four kids my husband was not on board with that but I wanted four kids (laughs) no he was like maybe one maybe two I'm good with that and I was like I want four kids we're having four kids I mean you know you want what you want but you're what you're saying is exactly how I feel now I have my twins and even if, even if I hadn't had twins and I'd had one beautiful, amazing child, I would have said, 
this child deserves all of my energy and love. And that's what I can give. You know, I struggle with two kids. It's very hard. Well, but, twins is a little bit different. It's a it? crazy life, but, but it's that realization that I don't want to have more kids, even though yes, in my dream universe, I wouldn't have struggled to get pregnant. I would have had more my four kids, but maybe that wouldn't have been perfect. I feel right now my family is complete and wonderful and I'm the best mother I can be to my, my twins. And if I had more children, if I had those four, I don't think I'd be sane. just knowing me. Some people can handle four, eight, 12, 15 kids. I can't, I can barely handle two. It's about why you're having them. And if exactly. and lots of us are having kids to meet our own needs, yeah, and that yeah. is not good parenting. Right. And so for me, those I was expecting those children to meet my needs, to love me, to make me feel important, significant, and needed. Right. Uh, you know, because of the experiences that I'd had. And the way I was meeting my needs, I was expecting everybody around me to meet my needs. And that puts a lot of pressure on our relationships. And so now I know how to meet my own needs. I take 100% responsibility for my own experience. And as as a result, I have much better quality relationships. So I, I probably would have gone on to have you know, bad relationships with those children because I would have been expecting them to meet my needs as was done to me. Mm-hmm. So, Oh, that's so, yeah. it's so powerful. That stuff. We have to get really, really honest. And it's yeah. this very uncomfortable stuff to talk about. We have to be really, really, honest. you know, it's not comfortable for me to admit that I would have done that to a kid, you know? Yeah, but, but you know it. Yeah, because you know well, I'm honest about it to help others just they don't make the same mistake. I love that. I respect yeah. that. Yeah. Because and you know, and the other one, the, the other one to be really honest about is when we're trying again and again and again, we really need to check in with that yes. because we're we're we you know when we're having these multiple tries and we don't stop, as you will know. We have to check in with why that is. Yes. You're, yeah. I mean, you're, you're hundred percent right, man. Yeah. You are, you are a very brilliant woman, Naomi. And, and cause you, thank you, you very just, much. You're, right very, back at you. you're so, thank you. You're very um, aware. You're self-aware, which yeah. helps you to be more aware of others around you. And that's something I think a lot of us struggle with infertility or not. It is very hard to take responsibility for your own emotions. I know. I know better than a lot of people. I know how hard that is, but it is so empowering when you finally can. Yeah. I'm just going to keep saying other people can't create your emotions. Uh, I I, I told you, I wrote it down. It's a game changer. And this is to say that I get it a hundred percent right. I repeatedly slip into blame and to frustration and impatience and, Uh, but it's just about how many times are you willing to fall off the path and get back on again you know it's a lifelong journey of you know I will uh show up in my relationships in a way I'm not proud of you know I'm not a perfect Mm -hmm. person who is right yeah exactly it's just that ability to go oh 
yeah it really wasn't cool the way I just behaved then was it and be able to just sorry you know it's the difference between that five minute moment and something that spirals into a week where we're questioning the the whole relationship yes oh my gosh and and when we behave in a suffering state when we don't behave in an elegant state it's uncomfortable so we go to blame and judgment to justify our behavior exactly. and the whole thing's a massive time and energy drain it sure is yeah it sure is it's 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 oh there's a word in my head it just came into my head and went right out and I can't think of it right now for some reason projecting that's what it was yeah the word projecting I mean it is but it's incredible how we don't even like I I can't tell you how often I snap at my husband and later I think to myself what did he even say that made me snap probably nothing it was Mm. probably something like hey could you pick this up or something it's the only thing I can think of because I'm not a neat and tidy person I'm a slob but we both are really but but it's it's crazy how you you don't think about it in the moment and then when you go back and think later and you're like no wait a minute what what triggered that and so often at least for me the trigger really is inside of myself and I'm not taking responsibility for whatever it was you know what I mean I would I would if you give me permission to challenge that because please because that question hmm, what was going on there that's a question that will set you free yeah you know ask the right question that will set you free ask the wrong question and you'll stay stuck and when we go away and go hmm yeah what's going on here hmm I, yeah that was out of proportion to the moment that gets you into curiosity and then you can discover what's really going on underneath so yeah. that's a that's a way of taking responsibility I love it oh I think that is so so great all right Naomi, let's switch gears here for a minute. Yeah. I want to ask you some of my let's get to know you questions. These are my questions I like to ask all of my guests. Uh-huh. And they're they're fun. They're really an interesting way to, well, for me to get to know you, for our audience to get to know you. But I, I think in a lot of ways, it's a fun way for you to get to know yourself. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to start with I, what I think is my easier one, I don't know, not everybody agrees, and that is, who are three people who have been the most influential or inspirational to you in your life? Now, this doesn't have to be related to business. It can be, it can be personal. It can be, you know, creative inspiration, whatever it is, three people who have mm-hmm. had this influence or inspiration on you. Well, I'll give you both because oh, I love, I love like these that. questions. Let's do it. Obviously, it, for personally, it would be my husband, my mum, and my daughter, without a shadow of a doubt. And then uh, professionally, it would be Oprah. She's mm. my hero. Maya Angelou mm. is another incredible one. And yeah. Michelle Obama. I mean, how can you not love? The, yeah. These three are amazing yeah. women. Yeah. I, mean, I, I particularly love Michelle Obama. I'm, I, uh, uh, she's That's like my cool. hero. I, I, yeah, in cool. awe is the perfect word. I, I see her, I hear her and I stop in my tracks and I'm like, oh, what's she saying? I must hear what she's talking about. Whatever it is. Have you heard her podcast? I haven't. I, I don't have time. I need to find oh, time in listen, my life. You've got to listen to her talk with her brother, talk with her mom. I mean, they are just, you know, no there's no perfection you know there's it's like just open just the best stuff I love that 
I think that's super cool. You know, and, and I'm sure I would listen and be like, yes, yes. Tell me more. Tell me more. And then when the episode is over, I'd be like, why is it over? Done talking. She's just such an incredible person. I mean, everyone you mentioned, Oprah, Maya Angelou, I mean, come on, but yeah. Michelle Obama, mm, I just want to hug her. I want to hug her all the time. I feel yeah. like, I feel like she's the type of person if, if I'm having a tough day, like I feel like she would be, I don't know, obviously I've never met Michelle Obama, but I feel like she'd be the kind of person who would embrace you and you suddenly would feel like, oh, well, everything's better. Okay. Like, I almost feel like she wouldn't even need to say anything and whatever I'm upset about would just melt away because she hugged me. Yeah. I don't know. I just, she's just very normal, which is pretty incredible. You know, I love Oprah because she's just, you know, I, you know, I've, I've been on this journey. I'm a loud woman mm-hmm. and you know, I spent years trying to tone it down and, you know, <laughs> you know, I gave that up. Thank God I gave that yes. up. But, you know, it, it can be difficult. It's not really socially, it can be often not socially acceptable for women to be loud. And uh, I was <laughs> one of these people who will just interrupt you. You know, she will just chat. I mean, she was interviewing Tina Turner and T- Tina said, I'm going to tell you if you let me you know I just love that that someone at the top of my game is being told can you stop talking so that I can tell you (laughs) I think that is so awesome because I'm like you I'm very loud I'm told all the time by everyone I know you know I'm right here and I I can hear you it's either because I'm so excited or whatever but I'm just a loud excitable energetic yeah. person and yeah. I can tell you how many times my and dad a lot of times have a lot of shame me. about it don't you mm-hmm. yep. you know I've you know had a lot of shame about being la- loud and lively and mm-hmm. sometimes frankly hyper oh yeah most of the time in my case but yeah I mean it's it's so crazy to me how often throughout my life nah. people will tell me okay you're you're kind of loud tone it down yes the shush yeah. thing yeah. or like mm. and a lot of the time I would just go okay yeah. and then I won't say and, anything and then go away and really worry about it but you yes. know I just got to this point and it's you know the great thing about getting into your 40s I am mm-hmm. you know just okay with being loud and he's like I am who I am and that's how you know it's I'm just so glad you're saying this because that's the point I'm at in my life you know I'm in my early 40s and I'm kind of like you know what <sighs> I am me. I'm tired of trying to not be yeah. me. I like who I am. I'm weird. I'm quirky. Yeah. I'm loud. I'm a little odd. You know, my, and, my and best course, friend. The, the unintended consequence of that is you do calm down because a lot of the loudness can come from insecurity. Yes. When I would get nervous, you know, my friend, my best friend is so funny. She's very, she will go quiet. So, but loads of social anxiety between us. Mm-hmm. But my social anxiety manifests in, in getting far too loud and chatty. Yes. And her, she'll just go silent. And I was like, I wish I was like you and went silent. And she'd be like, I wish I was like you and went loud. I have to tell you why that's so funny to me because my best friend and I are the exact same way. And I laugh because we're, we're cousins, right? So her dad and my mom are brother and sister and we've been, we're a year apart. So we're very close in age. We've always been close our whole lives, but that's exactly how we are. I get loud. She gets quieter. And for Halloween one year we dressed up. I was the devil. She was an angel. And another year for Halloween, she was Audrey Hepburn and I was Marilyn Monroe. And the whole idea was our costumes really reflected our personalities in the way that people perceive us, 
right? Very it's good. so funny. I just love that. I think that's awesome. Okay. So here's my other question for you. This one is really fun. I really like this one. It's a little bit difficult sometimes for people to answer. So I always give it second or I try to, and that is this. If you could have your dream dinner party, or if you don't like dinner parties, you can have your dream brunch or it doesn't even have to be food. I just like food. So I talk about food a lot. Walk on the beach, walk in the park, whatever it is, your dream gathering with yeah. three people. Now here's the, the important part. This is where I make it way harder. These three people can be dead or alive, fictional or real. They can be people, you know, they don't have to be people, you know, and to make it even harder for you, they don't have to be people. Oh. They don't have to be real. They can be, I had someone talk about spirits. They can the be energy. I mean, it could be anything. Fire. Whatever. Air. Sure. Uh, I, water. <laughs> I, when, I, when I had my dream dinner party, I asked myself this question. I invited a dragonfly to my dinner party. Mm. And I mean, I had people invite characters from books or cartoons or Muppets. I mean, whatever. It, I like I to make it really difficult, but it also makes think, it more fun. Yeah. I think I would invite both of my grandmothers. Yeah. Both, both passed when I was young. I would love to get to know them more. I would yeah. love to have had the opportunity to find out about their lives. I love that. That would have been amazing. That's super both cool. Both grandparents are, are grandmothers on both sides, my mum and my dad's side. That's they would cool. have been really interesting. I love it. To, to chat to. Yeah. I, and that's cool. I can relate to that because mm. one on my list is my great grandfather, who mm. I never met. He died when my mom was 10. And he mm-hmm. was a Holocaust survivor and he, that's just part of his story. I'm a lot like him from this, from what my grandmother always told me. And my mom, apparently I would have just loved him because we're so much alike, but I can relate to that. So that's cool. So grandmother and grandmother, and would there be a third or just those two? It's okay. If there's just the two of them, it doesn't have to be a third. Yeah. I think it would just be the two of them. That would be awesome. I love it. What a nice dinner party. And I, I like it because I can relate to it. And I think that's really, really lovely. Awesome. Well, Naomi, I have one last question. It's a really simple one. Mm-hmm. Where can our listeners connect with you? Where can they connect with you, learn about you, learn about what you do and, yeah. and everything? I am on Facebook. I just check me out, Naomi Stonia. I've got so much content on there. I do a masterclass um, every month. Um, I've got, I'm plumocoaching.com. So you can find out about me there. I do a free session for people, uh, which is going to give you a great idea of what relationship coaching is and what it can do for you. I mean, I do so much in that session. I do these really simple exercises to help you understand where you're at now, uh, what, why what you've already tried isn't working, which clears up the brain space gives you a lot of clarity and from there we make a plan of what it is you need to do to get where you want to go and I do all of that in one session so you can reach out to me on Facebook or plumocoaching.com and book a session with me I would just love to hear from anyone if what I'm talking about is resonating please reach out I love it everything you're talking about resonates with me and I think that is just amazing and Oh, 
I'm just so excited. So I, much. I, I've had so much fun so chatting glad. with you, Clara. Oh, I'm uh, so, so, so glad. Fun. I want to thank you for being here. You know, I know we're, what are we, like five hours apart here. So it is your evening. So you can go have your evening now, but seriously, thank you so much, Naomi. This was just amazing. I, I enjoyed this more than I can even say. So thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure.